0: So today we are looking at love is not envious and the passages are found in 1 Corinthians 13 and we are continuing with the series a year to love and so we're looking today at love is not envious it does not want what others have. So, envy is a feeling of discontent or resentment, a longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities or success. And it's no fun to feel envy or jealousy because both can make us feel inadequate and lousy. Envy is when you want what somebody else has. It is a very strong emotion which occurs when a person lacks another's sometimes superior quality or achievement or possession and either desires it or wishes that the other lacked it. It's a human emotion and I'm sure that every single one of us has experienced feelings of envy at some point in our lives. Maybe it's an issue, sometimes it arises its head, uh, whether it's family or friends or work colleagues and sometimes is just there in the background and a fleeting little feeling will come around, oh that's a nice whatever, oh it's okay for them and we can sometimes feel a little envious. It is a very natural human emotion but it can have devastating consequences. Aristotle said he defined envy as pain at the sight of another's good fortune. So we are living in a world of envy. Would you agree? We are living in a time where envy seems to be very, very poignant in people's lives because of social media. And so how can we learn to be content and happy when everybody else's life looks perfect? Social media has created a world in which everyone seems ecstatic except from us. I was reading an article a few weeks ago in The Guardian, and it was written by a journalist who was explaining a little bit about envy in our world today and some of their own personal experiences of envy. They said they were scrolling through their phones just before going to bed and a tweet arrived. And it was of a friend that they knew in the same business, in journalism. And this person was saying how delighted he was to have been shortlisted for a journalism award. That person reading this said that they felt their stomach lurch, their head spin, their teeth clench and their chest tighten. And they didn't get to sleep until early hours of the morning. Then, on another occasion, they were scrolling through Facebook when someone they vaguely knew appeared out with their friends in some glamorous destination, looking happy and all dolled up and having a great time, full of smiles. And the person who saw this said they felt their mood sink so fast that they had to sit back in their chair and it seemed as though they had stopped breathing." They recall these two experiences as the most powerful and painful moments of envy that they had ever experienced. They said it appeared that they so desperately wanted what these people had that it left them feeling winded, as if they had been hit in the stomach. And so we live in an age of envy, and we can all experience envy from time to time, there are lots of things. There's career envy, there's spouse envy, child envy, grandchild envy, car envy, clothes envy, upper arm envy. I've been doing a little bit of weights lately. Who, where's Russo? Oh, there he is. We'll have an arm wrestling competition later, Russo. And so, you know, there's all sorts of envy. I had um, a, a dumbbell set in the house that belongs to my sons, not my husband, it's theirs. And um, <laughs> he pays for his gym membership. And so I thought, getting old, I need to tone up a bit. So I've been doing these weights in between things in the kitchen. And I could see all this sand dripping out of one dumbbell. So I was working out, just, you know, doing this and this and whatever you do. And um, all of a sudden, I felt one bicep be a little bit firmer than the other one. And it was because our dog, when he was a puppy, got hold of these dumbbells and he started gnawing and chewing on it. And so now all the sand is leaking out of one of these dumbbells. So now if anybody borrows our dumbbells, you'll have one arm, you know, a bit more... Uh, bulkier than the other and so there is all sorts of envy you know we can look at people in the gym saying oh they've got bigger abs they've got better physique than me and we can feel envious there's holiday envy food envy brand envy house envy you name it someone will feel envy over it Now, professors of psychology are saying today that envy in our age is being taken to the extreme. We are constantly bombarded by photoshopped lives, which exerts a toll on us the likes of which we have never experienced in the history of our world. They are saying that they are now seeing more and more envy issues in their consulting rooms than ever before – People who don't achieve the lifestyle they want, but which they see others have. Now, years ago, maybe just 20 years ago, if you saw your neighbour had a new car or they decorated their lounge, you might feel a bit envious. But now we are being bombarded with images of people from across across the world, morning, noon and night, even in the middle of the night, with these perfect photoshopped images that are creating this envious sort of attitude in us. And it's kind of like we don't even realise it. Social media amplifies this deeply disturbing psychological discord. In the past, people may have just been envious for small things because their communities were smaller, but now we have a a thing, and it's actually named comparisonitis. It's actually a thing. Harold Coffin said, who was an uh, American politician, said, envy is the art of counting your neighbor's blessings instead of your own. Now, the Bible has loads to say on envy. It has many references, and all of them present envy as a very negative emotion. In Proverbs 14:30, uh, it says, a tranquil spirit revives the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. People envy each other for different reasons, but the fountain of envy itself is always the same. It always begins in the heart. It is called the heart. And Jesus said, what defiles a person is not what goes into the body, but what comes out of the mouth. And the words that we speak are first formed in our hearts, that seat of our emotions, that thing inside us that forms our feelings and our opinions and the way we feel about others. In Proverbs, I think I've mixed my verses up here, hang on, guard your heart above all else, okay, because out of it determines the course of life. Or another version, guard your heart with all vigilance, far from it are the sources of life. You know, our heart is so important, that inner man, the physical heart, the one that pumps blood around a body, is obviously where we kind of, um, is... is what the Bible calls protecting with the breastplate for soldiers. And so a soldier would wear a breastplate to protect the internal organs. But that heart, that sort of seat of our emotions is where we begin to form our opinions and our feelings towards people and towards things. And so the Bible really encourages us to guard it at at all costs. The heart is the starting point of the activities of life and it determines the course of life. And so it's who we are and how we act. Therefore, in order to overcome envy, we must always guard our hearts against the emotions such as unforgiveness and frustrations and greed and envy and ego with all vigilance. And Paul talks about this in Ephesians. He says, stand firm, therefore, by putting on the breastplate of righteousness. And he talks about this in Ephesians when he's talking about the armor of God and how as Christians and believers in faith, we need a spiritual armor to protect us from the blows of the enemy and from the attacks of the world around us. Paul talks about standing firm and it says the breastplate is a metaphor for the righteousness which the Holy Spirit produces in us. And so when we wear this sort of spiritual breastplate, it protects our hearts against emotions such as envy. And as a breastplate would protect a soldier's vital organs, we are made righteous in Christ. So first of all, the righteousness of God is twofold. Jesus came and he died on the cross for us so that we can be forgiven and so we have Jesus' righteousness over our lives. So we can't do anything right. We can't please God. It is when we come to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness and say sorry for the things we've done wrong and we invite him into our lives to steer the course of our lives and to be our Lord and our saviour and our friend and our leader and our guide. And as we commit our lives to Jesus, we kind of receive him his righteousness so we can then stand before God because of the work of his son nothing that we've done but that we have responded But then the other, so that is kind of called positional righteousness. So we are righteous before God because of the work of Jesus on the cross. But then there's a practical outworking of that, that as then believers, we seek to live a righteous life. So that is basically doing the things that God would want us to do and living a life according to the teachings of Jesus in our everyday, etc. And that is like a practical sort of application of the righteousness of God. And so so when we think of life in the context of standing against the onslaught of the world's fiery darts coming against us things you know can really get us down. Or we see other people's successes and achievements. We see others and what they have that we would really want. And we need to stand firm and remember that breastplate that Paul talks about. And putting on this breastplate of righteousness daily. In Paul's day, Roman soldiers would wear several pieces of armor in order to ward off the enemy's blows. And he makes the analogy about the spiritual armor needed in the Christian life of faith about the Spiritual armor needed by us believers in Jesus. And during a battle, this breastplate soldiers would wear would generally be made up of iron, or if the soldier or the army was a wealthier army, they would be made of bronze. And so it was made in two parts to protect the torso, which contained the vital organs of the soldier the heart, the lungs, etc. And so without a breastplate, the soldier would be asking for certain death. And without it, we become vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. So the Christian life is very much about knowing who we are in God, receiving his forgiveness and his love, but it is also a practical outworking that every day we need to kind of remind ourselves to put on this armour so that we can thwart the enemy's attacks against us. And envy is one of those things that can come very sort of, you know, up from behind, and it can come sort of, you know, we're not really aware of it, and then we see something, and then days later we start thinking about things, and we start getting envious, and just like in that silly video, these things can take root and they can have devastating effects on the opinions that we have about people that often we really, really care about and love. And so, to be righteous is basically to do what is right in God's eyes. We're not perfect and we will make mistakes, but being obedient to God's ways, living in line with Jesus and what He is and what He says and how to live like Him. And putting what we know and learn into practice each day in all situations. So, when we sense that emotion of envy rising its head in our lives, well, it's all right for them. They've had it easy. It's not fair. I work so hard and can't seem to get anywhere. I wish I had what they had. Jesus said, do not envy. Okay, right. So it's to check our hearts and think, is this a God-honoring way of thinking and behaving? Is this loving? We're in this year of love, a year to grow in love. And so this is one of those practical um, uh, advice kind of statements in the Bible about not envying. And so that's really helpful for us to take note of and do something about it if it has become an issue in our lives. And it's saying to ourselves, remember that breastplate, I will not allow to be influenced and hurt by these negative emotions let it go, move on, bless them Lord, sorry for my attitude. Envy can also creep into the church. You know, other churches can be jealous of other churches, leaders can become envious of other leaders, congregations can become envious of their leaders, and so it does sometimes creep into the church, but it's kind of for us to really take note of it and to really not go there. Okay, I was introduced to a Facebook page, uh, not a Facebook page, an Instagram account by somebody the other day. And this person really likes their watches. And so they brought this up in in my feed and I was really shocked, actually. Uh, Really, really shocked. Now, this lady here, Um, is from Hillsongs. anybody recognise us? Bobby Houston. And about 20 years ago, I went to London on a ladies' conference and she was speaking and I was right up in the gods, so to speak, in this theatre. And the thing that caught my eye was her watch. And I thought, oh, that's a really pretty watch. It was white, it was big, yet feminine. It had a little bit of sparkle, but it wasn't over the top. And I really fancied her watch and that was like about 20 years ago. And so when this Instagram page came up the other day, it's called, believe it or not, Profit and watches. And a person has actually set up this account, like a random person has set up this account to kind of highlight what sort of American preachers and prophets and you know, mega church leaders, what watches they wear. <laughs> like really? I mean, really? And um, I found myself looking through all the photos and seeing what, which ones I recognise. Because so I, I listen to a lot of these people on YouTube and I follow their accounts and I really respect them and, and that hasn't changed at all. And so this guy, he's from um, uh, Hillsong as well, and this guy from the States, and it tells you the watch they wear, how much the watch costs, and I think, for goodness sake, get a life. But there I was scrolling, ooh, ooh, look at T.D. Jakes, he's got a Rolex. And and I was like, this is ridiculous. I mean, so what? Isn't it really? But this envy can creep into the church sometimes and people judge each other on their successes or their material possessions. I mean, really, so what? And so we do need to be careful. We don't entertain these kinds of envious thoughts. When someone comes along with a gift that's perhaps better than ours or they are younger than us. And thank Thankfully, we don't have that in our church, and, uh, but it is yet something to be aware of. You know, when we think of the teams of ministries in our church, the worship and the admin teams and uh, all the ministries behind the scenes and all the ministries up here, we don't suddenly become insecure and threatened and envious if somebody comes along with a great musical gift or somebody comes along with a great voice or somebody comes along with a really organised, on-the-ball admin gift or great with youth and great with kids. That is something as a church we develop develop. develop and encourage and really kind of want those people to improve and be part of the team and work alongside. We don't get threatened or insecure or jealous or envious of those new people and their gifts and what they're bringing to the table in terms of God's kingdom. And that is so good that that doesn't happen here. And so those things would come from insecurity if we did feel those things. And we don't need to feel insecure because we know that we are children of God, sons and daughters. We are loved. Jesus gave his life for us we are precious, we are unique, we all have our own gifts. And so think of those things that God has given you rather than compare yourself to others. And so let's celebrate and continue to celebrate one another's gifts and encourage those who are coming up in the ranks. And after all, it's God who gives the gifts in the first place. So who are we to judge? Okay, envy is not a new problem, is it? It has been around in the world since the beginning of time, and it has been around for generations, but today it just seems to be more in our face and more temptation for us. And so when we think in the Bible of the Old Testament, we think of Cain and Abel. Cain killed his brother because of envy and jealousy. We think of Joseph being sold into slavery by his jealous and envious brothers because he was um, the favoured child or having all these amazing dreams from God and they didn't understand it. And so they were jealous and envious and look how that went. And even Saul's attempts to kill David, the numerous attempts in David's life and even his own son Jonathan, how pride and envy drove Saul into these actions and in Proverbs 6.34 it says for jealousy makes a man furious and he will not spare when he takes revenge in Galatians let us not become conceited provoking one another envying one another in Proverbs keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the spring of life and so we can see envy is an issue and the Bible talks a lot about it And so how do we then, if envy becomes an issue in our lives, for whatever reason, towards anybody, how do we root it out from our lives? How do we eliminate envy? Okay, so... Do you remember the story in Matthew about the vineyard and the workers okay so there was once a man who had a field he owned a vineyard and it was obviously harvest and so he needed workers to come and work the field this was a parable a story which Jesus told okay and so the guy who owns the field goes out to the marketplace he gets some workers and he offers them would you like a day's wage a denarius for a day's work yes please thank you and off they went into the uh, field to work and then about midday he needed more workers and so he went out to the sort of city gates and he saw some more people looking for work and he offered them, would you like some work? Yes please, a denarius and so they came in and then several times throughout the day the guy who owned the land went out to get more workers and so some workers had been there from dawn some workers had come in lunchtime, say, some others had come in mid afternoon and some had come in perhaps for the last hour but the Landowner paid everyone the same. He offered a denarius for the work, and all the workers were happy about that and agreed to it and went about their business. But then, at the end of the day, when these workers were coming to fetch their wages, then obviously they could see that the person who had only worked an hour was having the same rate of pay as them, and that's not fair, is it? I mean, that wouldn't wash this day and age, would it? Imagine going into work and like, you know, your colleague has only done an hour's work and. get paid the same it's not fair but the point of the story Jesus was making is that the landowner was kind and generous and it was his money and his business so shouldn't he be able to do what he wants and so the workers were complaining and grumbling and envious and jealous over the other workers who would work less And so a couple of points out of this, just three points quickly. Never compare yourself to others. So this is how we can root envy out of our lives, or to eliminate it, or to really kind of ward it off. Never compare yourself to others. The workers compared wages, but at the end of the day, it's God who is loving and gracious and kind. You are unique. You are one of a kind. You are incomparable comparisonitis is a thing don't get sucked into it because it only leads to misery and discontent number two celebrate God's goodness to others when they succeed instead of feeling insecure and threatened the workers were mourning because they were paid the same and so you know it's to sort of um develop an attitude in our lives where we are glad when somebody has a promotion, that we are happy when someone's getting married, that we are, you know, if somebody has a windfall, that you were, oh, that's really great for you, and said, oh, well, it's all right for them, and I wish that to me, and that is like the human response, isn't it? And number three, trust God when life appears to be unfair. The workers said it was unfair, and in a way, yes, it was. But just because the owner chose to be generous, they were complaining. And so envy is not setting goals. It is not being ambitious, and it is not having dreams. All of these things are good. But envy is resenting what others have that we don't have. And so just to finish off quickly, to sum up, It is easy to be tempted, to be envious. But if it is allowed to live and fester in our hearts and minds, it becomes destructive. It divides people. It destroys relationships. It sows discord. And it creates a spirit of bitterness. It causes people to act and speak in toxic ways. It steals our joy. And it wastes our time. It is not productive and very negative. And so... If it happens to you, which I'm sure it will, because it happens to us all, recognize it and deal with it. Repent. Say, sorry, oh Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm really struggling in this area. I'm really happy for that person who I love, and they've got this, that, and the other, but I really want that too. It's not fair. You know, come to God. Deal with it. Don't let it fester or take root. And then uproot it if it is something that's really kind of got a hold of you. Celebrate other's successes. Spend less time analysing other people's lives and more time living yours. Ultimately, know you are loved. That you are loved, you are unique, you can be secure in who you are in Jesus. Concentrate on the gifts and the good things he has for you and continue to grow in love. Lord, I thank you so much that your word to us is so practical and, you know, we still experience the same issues people 2,000 years ago were experiencing and you addressed it, Lord. And I just thank you so much that we are in a church where we are a family and that we love each other and we do celebrate one another's successes and we are happy for one another when good things happen. And Lord, I pray that you would protect the love and the unity that is in this room. And I pray, Lord, for when we do struggle with these things, that you would really help us to bring it to you straight away and help us to learn to trust you and to walk in our own gifts that you have given us, Lord. So I pray now for each and every person that you would help us in this area and help us to continue to grow in love this year. In Jesus' name, amen.